0: Nobody should be scared of being told, no, you need to embrace, embrace the no. Okay. Put that in like a little quote with like my face.
1: Welcome back to Creative How, the podcast for curious creatives. I got a question for you, Jed. Have you ever played with Legos?
2: I, like millions and millions of, maybe billions of other people have played with Legos, Sean, and it's an awesome experience. And somebody who agrees with that is Chad Collins of Open World Events. Chad uh, gives us some insights into how he created a whole business based on a passion that he had as a kid. So really, really cool stuff and excited for you to hear this.
1: The mindset on this guy, super inspiring. We hope you think so. Chad Collins. You know, Jed, one of the most creative things or brands in the world is Lego. If you haven't
2: played with Legos, you haven't lived. That's my opinion.
1: And then there's also Minecraft, which I, I think is, it, for me, has seen a huge resurgence in the, in the recent years. Um, and just the the creativity, but also some educational benefits out of that.
2: Well, I my son specifically plays Minecraft all the time, and some of the stuff he's built has been extremely amazing. Um, some has been underwhelming, but... Uh, he loves it. So this is an exciting
1: day. So welcome to a guy who is channeling both of these massive energies from a brand standpoint, uh, to create his own brand. That is super impressive. Chad, welcome. What's up gentlemen, man. We, you know, I'm going to try not to play Homer too much on this. We've known each other for a long time and it's been fun to watch your progression. you guys, I've always been, I've always looked up to, uh, you've tried to get me in trouble, Um, many times (laughs) in the past, but today it's great to see your success. And we're just here to kind of tell your story. So um, we all know like you're working on big things with Lego and Minecraft, but I think what Jed and I want to talk to you about right now is your creative brain in general. Like you're not always going to be talking about these particular brands, but it's your brand and what you've done in the last, I call it five years is amazing. So let's take it back, I think.
2: Yeah, well, I think a great thing to do to start with maybe is, if you could uh, describe sort of uh, your breakthrough with Lego and the thought process there and BrickFest Live, and then maybe we'll take it back to a little before then. Sure. I mean, well, right now, uh, our production company is called Open World,
0: where we do one thing and we do it great, which is we produce massive family events. And the two events that you've referenced, BrickFest Live, a Lego fan convention, and Mindfair, an official Minecraft community event are, are the two that we're touring with right now. And then we can maybe talk about some of the new stuff that, that we're going to be working on. But these events, when we talk about massive attract 10 to 20,000 attendees a weekend into a large convention center. So think about a hundred to 150,000 square feet. Think about the LA convention center, the Philly expo center, Houston NRG, right? This is what we're talking about. This is, this is a fun family safe event, uh, where your kids actually drag you around from stop to stop. And, um, at the end of the day, even if they necess- didn't necessarily put two and two together, that they had this incredible bonding experience with you and, and as a family together, um, they, they, they just kind of feel they have that feeling. And, um, you as a parent can know that, that, um, that your choice to bring them out to an event like this was was the right thing to do.
1: And that's great. I mean, especially in this day and age of like connectivity being such a huge issue and then digital sort of, you know, the screen time and kids wouldn't have their face in these screens and things like that. And you as a parent, it's like, when do I have time to connect with my kids? And so you've almost, people kind of left probably an area that was probably big, maybe a number of years ago, these event type things. He's like, let's have this resurgence because now it's more than ever like, I got to find things to my kids to do on on the weekend. That's awesome. Yeah, there's
0: less outside play time because there's more in the house screen time. Uh to boil it down. Um and like we could have a screen time conversation, good screen time versus bad screen time, just like sure. good food versus bad foods, right? Yep. Like everyone kind of needs screen time now. It's just a matter of what you're spending time on. Minecraft is one of those things where it's like, that's good,
2: healthy food. That's good, healthy screen time for, for your child. From a brand standpoint, I think something that's really interesting is, um, just taking it from consumer to brand. It's really, um, polarizing today. You have communication via social media. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have experiential. And in between it's like, is there anything, you know, do people go to stores? Are they paying attention to films? You know, so, the experiential side of things and how you work with those brands, I think is pretty amazing. Can you tell us how you sort of established the relationships?
0: Sure. Uh, So with, with BrickFest live um, the way we started that um, my daughter and I had, had a YouTube channel and we can kind of go back and how that whole thing started. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do Uh, it. You want to go? Sure. Why not? Why not? So, all right, great. So I so this is like Chad doing his day job, right? So I'm going like 90 minute commute to and from work every day. With or
1: without hats.
0: Oh, sometimes hats. Sometimes hats? Yeah, because this was a startup. So like I'm Oh, a, right? so it totally lacks. Yeah. Okay. I did like engineer for Lockheed. That was no hat, suit and tie. Right. Like really stuffy. Then it was like startup in New Jersey, which was like totally chill. Like hats sometimes. That's awesome. Yeah. Now it's hats all
1: the for time. For those that don't well. know, Chad is rarely seen without a hat is part of the brand. I think at this point it has become that you sh- Holy cow. What NASCAR, we get logos on those hats, new sponsors, <laughs> every
0: right. Boom. Hit me up. you can sponsor my hats. Um, so yeah, so I'm driving to work, uh, with a hat on and, um, and, and my buddy, like I, I'm normally like the work through lunch kind of guy. And my buddy, Mike was like, yo, why don't we go grab some lunch at the mall? And um, for whatever reason that day, I, I said sure, let's go. And at the mall, there's a Lego store, and I immediately was brought back to my childhood, of you know wanting to explore and engage and create with Lego. And at the back of the store, if you've ever been to a Lego store, there's this wall, and you can basically fill a cup with as many of the same type of Lego bricks. Um, as you want, as many as you can stuff in the cup. And as a kid, I remember always wanting, like, I always want, you know, I wanted like 10,000 of this style brick so I can make this creation. Right. right? And I would like literally send Lego letters in the mail and they would just like thinking like, I just want to order this many pieces. And they would just send me catalogs of like the new stuff that's coming out. It was always like deflating. So I saw this and I was like, I have to fill up a couple of cups here with these Lego bricks I did, brought them home and introduced my daughter who was seven years old at the time, Jordan. I introduced her to Lego. So it was cool because we were able to bond over Lego together and also I now had like an out. I was like, cool, now I can like be a Lego fan again. Um, And you know, I'm playing with my daughter. So after a couple of days of like going to the Lego store, bringing stuff home, what any seven year old would do with an iPad is she goes onto YouTube, types in Lego and then comes to me and says, can we create a YouTube channel together? And immediately knee-jerk reaction was yes. Sure. I knew nothing about YouTube other than I knew that I could go there to watch some videos. I could get music off there if I wanted. I knew nothing from a content creation standpoint.
1: So did she, did you just sign her up? You got her the account and then did she take it from there and you start seeing, wow, she has a little bit of a knack for the how-tos and you got into it?
0: Yeah. So immediately just created account. We actually started with, well, what do you want to call the channel? Yeah. And interestingly enough, she said, how about uh, your creative friends? And so that's our channel broad
1: uh, view. Cause she, didn't, she wasn't just gonna, she wasn't just gonna focus on Legos. She, right. she, she saw the long view and was like, she's like all these things. Yeah. I like here. a lot of yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Lego
0: is one of them. Um, so we started your creative friends and, um, and the second video that we put up um, kind of got popular within like a Lego enthusiast community because it was a tutorial on how to jam as many bricks as possible into this cup. Right. So that's like the engineer in me was like, how many bricks can I fit in there? I did some research, found some guides, and then just made a video about it. A life hack. It was a li- go
1: to the store. Yeah. It was like maximize, <laughs> maximize
0: the $15. That's awesome. Um, and, and then we started to see the power of putting content out there. Um, the next video we put up was a tutorial on like the best way to store your Lego, and we used this brand called Acromills that that makes um, kind of like the you know nuts and bolts cases that you would have in your garage they saw the video, reached out to us, sent Jordan a $50 gift card to uh, to Toys R Us and more of these storage containers. So it was like, wow, there's there's incredible power in putting out content, especially if it's resonating with some people. And if you're talking about someone else's brand, think about it. If someone's talking about your brand, you want to know what people are saying about your brand on social media. Well, we learned, we didn't know that ahead of time, but now we, we kind of learned that going through the process. So long story short, over 18 months, we produced... 500 videos and put them up on YouTube, accumulated a total of 12 million views on our channel, like all videos up 12 million. And what we really wanted to do is go to a Lego event and show our audience that you can be in a room of people just as enthusiastic as, as something that you are. And, um, and the first event that we wanted to go to, uh, was actually several States away. So we thought, Hey, we're in the Philadelphia market. One of the biggest markets in the country. There's got to be a Lego event that we can yeah, go to no here. Brainer. No brainer. There wasn't one in our area. It was, uh, it was hundreds of miles away. And that's when the light bulb hit where it's like, wow, if there's not one that exists here, why not create one? And to get back to your question about our relationship with Lego, like how did that start? They have a program where if you are attracting um, adult fans of Lego – right? That's like a thing. Um, then they have these special programs where that you can apply for, where they will support your event. And that's how our relationship started. So we knew the right person to contact at Lego. Um, and we proposed our convention to them. And then we were able to get their support in that way.
2: So during the the 18 months you were talking about when you're creating the 500 pieces of content. Yep. Were you purposeful at that time in terms of somehow trying to make a, a, I'll just say a business, a business out of this or was it like halfway through or h- how did you think about that?
0: So when we, uh, after we posted like our first 20 or 30 videos um, we got an email from YouTube this, cause this was before that, before you were able to create your own channel and automatically monetize your videos they would have to invite you to join their program to monetize your videos. So we got an email from YouTube about like one of our videos that was doing well. And Hey, you can now turn on monetization. I was like, great. I'll turn on monetization. Good call. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and I remember like on that commute driving in every day and checking how much AdSense we made. And it was like, you know, for the first month, it was like 36 cents, 22 cents. And interestingly enough, I was more excited about those 22 cents than my six figure paycheck. Right. Yeah. Right. So even though I was like putting way more hours into right. The day job, um, even though this was like my 7 PM to 2 AM hustle of like putting, putting video content up, just knowing that there was maybe a light at the end of the tunnel was enough to keep us motivated. So, First and foremost, family time was like, that was the driving factor. Um, but then kind of knowing like your, your question about, did you know it was going to turn into a business? Um, no, I knew it felt good. And sometimes you just need those instincts. So I just went with my instincts. Like I know this can turn into something. I knew there were other channels that were bigger than ours that were that were really making some decent money on AdSense. Right. Um, so we just kind of kept going in that regard. I remember... Uh, getting our first check, physical check from Google, for a hundred and eleven dollars. Damn!
1: Right. Over how long a period of time?
0: That was several months. Okay. Right. But the thing is with YouTube is if you're consistent with putting out content, they start promoting your channel, and it's kind of like a like a hockey stick J curve where, mm. you know they reward you for kind of being in the game long enough. Right. And then the ad sense continued to grow month after month after mm-hmm. month. It was just up, 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 up.
1: So awesome. going back to like that inspiration, what do you think was, and you said light at the end of the tunnel, what was that light? Like what was really the drive? Like, was it, you were making something of your own and owning it? Or was it just, I wa- did you ever know that you wanted to own a business or you wanted to create something like, cause you were a, you were a computer engineer, right? I mean, the, it didn't seem like you started out as an entrepreneur,
0: No. Um, in fact, I intentionally chose a path of not having my own business because now here's the thing. I came from a family of entrepreneurs. So my parents had jewelry businesses, food service businesses, um, antiques, right? Like they were in that space. I lived the highs and lows of entrepreneurship as a kid. So when things were great, awesome. I got like awesome gifts during holiday time. And when things weren't so great that it was like not fun to be in the house. And I was looking for things to do where I didn't have to be at home as much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of made an internal decision that when I have a family, I just want stability. Mm -hmm. Um, But a frog must jump. And
2: Nice. I've never heard that before. And.
0: And um, you, you have these instincts in you. Like, I feel like I always operated when I was working for someone else as if it was my own and making decisions on if it was mine and giving that to my employer and being okay with it. Um, and, you know, when the time was right, when it was, darn, if we can create our own event, what does this look like? Um, and then remember like the intention was just to create this one event that happened one time a year. The intention wasn't to create a nationwide touring event that would now, now we have several events, right? right. 24 full-time yeah. employees. Yeah, like, yeah. like that was never like the, right. the vision, but um, it takes someone with an entrepreneurial spirit to identify when something is popping and then push your chips in and, and kind of go for
1: yeah. it. Yeah. And that's something we actually really, really wanted to touch on. Like when, when to know that you have a viable idea. Um, Maybe you test, maybe you don't. And when do you think you've gotten enough inputs um, just from analysis that you go all in?
0: Yeah, Um, so the turning point for us was when we put our tickets on sale for the event, when we made the announcement, when we went public, right? That we're gonna have this one event in Philadelphia. the response was overwhelming and it's something that we didn't anticipate. So we'll just put it out there like that. We sold nearly 5,000 tickets the very first weekend. Okay, so think about that. 5,000 tickets at roughly 20 bucks a pop is about $100,000 in revenue. Weekend one of going public and letting the world know that this event is coming.
2: How are those tickets sold?
0: We used used our own site. So we use a service called Eventbrite. Um, and we promoted on Groupon and what we call like our affiliates. So we had a lot of other people talking about this that we kind of had queued up. And then at one time, everybody went live. Mm. And and like Facebook, I remember people that knew that we had a Lego channel on YouTube. I remember those people sharing with me the ad that we had running. Like, hey, did you guys know that there's a Lego event coming to the Philadelphia area? And it's like, <laughs> well- <laughs> Yeah, we somewhat. kind of we kind of somewhat know about that. That's great. So that's like when when I really knew like wow, like if if people are sharing this like crazy, if it's really like scratching that itch, then maybe this is something we can scale. And so then we're like, okay, well, if this is going to work in the Philadelphia market, is this something that's also going to work in New Jersey? And we found a venue in New Jersey, put tickets on sale, same thing happened. And that's when you know, we started to have the confidence, and that's when you have the conversation with your wife, and you're like, "This is, this is something that that can change our direction." And her question was, "You know, is our lifestyle going to change?" And I said, "I said it might." I'm like, "But if if not now, when?" Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a conversation. Yeah. Um, and you know, being confident enough in your own skills that if this doesn't work out, like you can kind of go back to what you were doing before. Sure. You know, whether it's the same company or a different company, you know, if you have a name, if you made a name for yourself in in your niche, um, hopefully you can, you can go back. Someone will bring you back on board.
1: I think that's something people forget that, that aspect, like you, you, what you did before didn't go away. You didn't lose that skill set. So there is a safety net when it seems like there isn't a safety net. Like you can always go get another job. Yeah. You can always go back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Roll the dice and, and and take a, take a gamble, which I think sounds like you did and it worked out and doesn't look like you're going back. Never look back. Yeah. Nope. That's awesome.
2: That is awesome. So, Chad, you talked about, you know, you went to that lunch at the mall and you went to the Lego store and you almost were transported back to your childhood and you brought that literally home to your daughter. And that made me think, you know, there are people in this world right now who are like, how can I get a job in something I really like? And some of those people might literally be playing Minecraft right now. So how did did that happen for you? Well, we, so we produced uh, an event called Young
0: Innovators Fair back in January of 2016. And it was like a science and tech expo, right, for kids. And we wanted to create something experiential. We didn't want just a lot of people on stage talking at you like in an auditorium. Um, And we didn't want it to be like a small science fair that they might have at a school where you can go classroom to classroom. Um, So my uh, co-founder, Gabe Young, uh, kind of presented this idea of what if we did something like, you know, something like a science festival but on a much larger scale and and we went for it, created Young Innovators Fair. We had different innovation zones in the event, one of which was called Hacker's Hideout. In Hacker's Hideout, we had a couple of Minecraft activations, and it was clear that the enthusiasm for Minecraft was very, very strong. So we had talked about, hey, what's going to be the next event that we're going to do? Is it going to be Minecraft? Is it going to be something else? But being able to kind of see it come to life in a very small scale at Young Innovators Fair um, was really all the affirmation that we needed to move forward. So, so we, um, in April of 2016, announced that we were going to do the first ever mine fair in, um, in the Philadelphia area in October. And very similarly to BrickFest, we were able to get a bunch of enthusiasm created and and really go to those that have been to our events in the past and say, hey, we're thinking about this new thing. Do you guys want to be the first ones in to buy tickets for MindFare?" And the response was amazing. So that's before any paid advertising. We just went back to folks that have already been to our other events and said, would you want to come to this next one that we're thinking about?
1: Was that like a retargeting effort or was it more personal
0: than that? It was, um, well, no, it was like email. Yeah. So we just went like a very, like a personal style email to our existing list of, uh, leads and buyers that we Mm -hmm. had that were interested in our other shows. And we knew that, um, if you're interested in Lego, you're probably also interested in Minecraft. If you like science and tech, like Young Innovators Fair, you might also like Minecraft. So going to those people, it was kind of like another fish in the barrel where, yeah, like who is going to be the most enthusiastic about this? They're already in our world. Let's go ahead and ask them. So we, um, we went and we announced Mine Fair publicly and then, like a, a bunch of really interesting things started to happen. Um, we knew that there were a couple of unofficial Minecraft events that had tried to uh, be produced, uh, and some of them turned out to be scams where they announced all these YouTubers that were going to be there. They announced all these partners that they had. They had a venue. They sold tickets. And then days or weeks before the event, they, they went dark and canceled the event. Literally having people show up, and then there was nothing there. And when we started reaching out to potential partners and sponsors for our event, they all pointed to these other things. Oh, is this going to be another event uh. like this? Luckily for us, we had the success of BrickFest Live, we had Young Innovators Fair right, behind right. us, and we were able to point to these other successes. It's like, no, 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 we're legitimate. This event is going to happen, and we were able to slowly but surely bring bring some people on board. Um, one of the folks we, we brought on board who, who reached out to us, a gentleman by the name of Steve Isaacs, was an official Minecraft global mentor. At the time, they only had four, he was one of the in, inaugural four, and he lived in New Jersey, which was which was near us. Um, Gabe and I met with him. He was immediately like all in. He wanted to see this event grow. He made some introductions for us uh, with other folks at Microsoft. Microsoft owns Minecraft, uh, for those that don't know, and um, and we were kind of off to the races. Um, interestingly, part of the part of that story. Um, turns into us getting an official license with with Microsoft to run these events in an in official capacity. Um, so they is that exclusive?
1: I mean, like, uh, well, how many
0: they legitimately hand out? They they handed right out um, a handful of these, and it turns out that um, that we we produce more of these official events than anyone else in the world.
1: That's awesome. right.
0: Like being based in the U.S. is is, uh, is a benefit for yeah. us. Yeah. Right. Because it gives us, you know, while our license is global, right. Um, it's easy to stay domestic and and still have a bunch of events where we can attract the right kind of people right. to them. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. And, and obviously the huge educational benefits from like STEM things and things like that. Like I, I got to believe that parents are endorsing this again, one of those positive screen time sort of applications like, yes, do more Minecraft, get very, very smart.
0: Yeah, what's great is um, like, you know, kind of like Lego, like I always say, even though Lego is expensive, the money you're investing in it will pay an unlimited return on your child's future. And the same is true with Minecraft. The more time they're spending in Minecraft, the more they're creating, the more they're problem solving, the better off they're going to be when when real things pop up later in life. Um, there's also a coding aspect to Minecraft and at our events, we have a learning lab where you can be with the Minecraft education mentor and they're going to teach you how to, you know, program in command blocks. And your parents are sitting side by side with their kids now seeing them, them learn and create. And they're, they're feeling good about, about that type of experience.
1: Ad- admittedly, I didn't know much about Minecraft prior to, you know, seeing what you were up to and, and looking into that. And it's definitely top of mind when I go home and I want to get my kids involved. I mean, we, we, we talk about the negative screen time and they'll, they'll just sit there in front of whatever and yeah, zone out scrolled. with like zombies. Yep. And, and, but, but this is one that I want to get them and, and I gotta, <laughs> I gotta find a way to kind of position it. So it's not like dad thinks I should be doing this. So then it'll feel like make it their idea. Like, this is a fun thing. Have you guys seen this? And then, you know, but it's definitely one I want to kind of advocate for. Uh, Sean, I
2: think you could probably figure out a way to get your daughters to play Minecraft because you you are are. in marketing. I'm the person thinking behind that. Um, Speaking of marketing, Chad, during the conversation so far, it it sounded like you're really marketing savvy. You know, you've talked about things um, having to do with naming portions of your events. And the names are really cool by the way, and targeting an audience and having intuition and things like that. But you're, your background was in engineering. So how did the marketing savvy come about?
0: You know, it came about primarily in the in the beginning by listening to podcasts to and from work during my commute, right? I was listening to guys like Pat Flynn. I was listening to guys like John Lee Dumas, and they would bring on guests that were experts in their fields. And then I would go back and buy their books. So- like I learned about Russell Brunson and Dotcom secrets was one of the first book. Even Tim Ferriss's four hour work week was a book. And even though that's not necessarily about marketing, it was more of a mind shift on, wow. So you can get, you can get other individuals to do Automation. some of these yeah, processes. mundane processes yeah. for you. And when you, when you talk about scaling, like how do you go from one event a year to 22 events a year well, it's all because of documentation and processes and 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 scaling. So, having having um, having listened to a lot of other experts and then being able to apply their techniques to what we were doing in a live event space was really part of the secret sauce on why some of this stuff took off. Because oftentimes people feel like, well, I can I want to do an event or I want to create an event, and they have like this field of dreams approach where if I build the event, people will show up. Well, no one's going to show up if you're not motivating them to show up. I believe that one of the hardest things to sell actually is a ticket to an event because it's not a product where it's an impulse that they could just, I like that new jacket or a new pair of shoes and I could just buy it. What you're selling is an experience. You're saying you're going to buy a ticket to an event that's going to happen three months from now and you need to make sure your schedules are clear that day so how do you do that? Right. How do you, um, how do you suggest to people that they're making this right decision to buy it, to buy a ticket to the event? It's all about your positioning. It's about your storytelling. It's about how you're intentionally communicating with every lead that you get. Um, and for us that's, um, you know, like that's part of our secret sauce.
1: Yeah. And that, that's, you're kind of saying you, you picked it up and you learned and you researched, but some of it's kind of intuition and, and dare I say some no brainer because we're kind of like <laughs> maybe putting down what we do for a living a little bit, but, uh, it is some of it's so just gut, but you know, it's the right thing. It doesn't take, it's an intuitive type thing. Would you agree? I mean, cause yeah. you guys aren't, you guys are doing it in house, right? You don't have an ad agency or anything at this point. So, that I know of. so here's the thing we, so we do our marketing in house.
0: That's correct but we do it in-house now because we failed several times outsourcing it.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, now let's unpack that a little bit. That's not to say the creative isn't important because the creative is everything. People
1: say that to us every day.
0: No, the <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. I think that uh, creative is more important than copy. So I think that Ooh. um Uh-oh. okay. Uh, okay. Here we go. Sorry, you struck got a nerve. The copywriter
1: <laughs> um, versus our directors. Okay, so so here's
0: the thing. Uh, okay, here's the the um, disclaimer is on social media for paid advertising. On social for paid, um, like I'm buying Facebook ads, right? The 12 to 90 second video that we create, that's a square, okay, tactical stuff, um, is more important than the words above that video. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that stops the thumb mm-hmm. is... Slow your scroll is the, is the creative in the video. Okay. So we learned all of this ourselves. Now I tried to outsource our marketing three separate times and wasted six figures doing it. Wow. So the final time was like, you know what? We're just going to take the dollars that we handed over to these agencies that said they knew what they were doing, that said they were going to follow our playbook and hire internally and teach people what is working for us. So what works for us isn't necessarily what's going to work for any other business, but we are we have our own processes that we know that work, and we know that if we could bring in creatives, if we could bring in copywriters, but we have a formula that we operate within, and they know what their parameters are on how to operate within that,
2: that formula, then that sets us up for the best success possible. So would you say that it's... The, the, the non-successful partnership with the agencies, was that based on them not understanding what you wanted your brand to be? Or was it more literally, tactically, this is what works, do it, and they weren't doing it? Yeah, it was
0: that. So it, it was the latter, right? This is what works, do it. They weren't doing it. But I understand why. So I'm empathetic to that, right? If, if someone wanted to hire you for your expertise, but they told you that- I know you're an expert, but this is what's working for us right now. Please do more of this. You would think that, okay, I know that that's what's working for you, but I'm the expert, which is why you're hiring me. Right. So I'm going to put my mm-hmm. flavor on it. Right. Because mm-hmm. I I can do better than what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how every agency is going to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't work for us. Right. So, so we let them have a little bit of freedom, maybe sometimes too much freedom. Um, but by when you're doing an event, the thing is with an event, there's a date certain, right? If you have a launch, you're launching a product, you can always kind of push that launch back if some things aren't aren't being met. Right. The event's happening, like that date's coming. Mm-hmm. And there's a finite amount of time that you have to get it
1: right. Right. Yeah, I think every agency is going to want to do that because, you know, otherwise, why are you coming to them? Because then you can say the reverse. Like, I told you guys what to do. Why am I paying you? And you do what you evidently <laughs> just did yep. and bring it back in-house, which I think, you know, Talking as currently two in-house guys, like we firmly believe, and we're always going to say, nobody knows the brand better than we do. Like you you will not have lived it for, you know, in, in Jed's case, 13 years, my case, eight years um, without picking it up a little bit. And that yeah. being speed to just kind of knowing what's works. And that goes back to that intuition thing. Nobody knows it better.
0: No one knows it better. And I think it becomes part of your organization's fabric. Like because we have 100% creative control, we're able to now take our own employees with their own skills, their own videography, photography, copywriting skills. They can go to one of our events. They know their own shot lists. They're going to capture the footage right. and then we're going to come back and we're going to repurpose it. And now we have content for the
2: next year. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I think that what we've um, wanted in the past, sometimes with partners we've worked with is to help us build the momentum, help us just like keep, going down a successful, powerful path and amplifying it instead of shifting, which I know is maybe sometimes the right thing, sometimes the wrong thing, but it sounds like for you guys right now, that is exactly what you need to do. Yeah. Just double down right. on, on what's
0: working.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then getting that content, content bucket is, is huge. As you're currently in the midst of, of really submitting yourself to and, and or dedicating yourself to that, you know, you're, your Instagram channel and, and your stories and things like that. It's like, you guys are going to become those tactical experts and, and you're going to figure out, and you're going to be probably writing that how to marketing for uh, event marketing at some point in time, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, it's fun. I mean, I think you could probably sense my passion for it. Sure. Like as we're talking and, and I think about that all the time, like could others benefit from what we've been able to create, but it's weird, right? Cause now it's like that dichotomy, which is, well now like, well then we're the agency. Were exactly the thing that I didn't want. <laughs> for,
1: Maybe you are for, though. for myself. Well, you're subject matter experts. We are yeah. you, are, were you hiring event subject matter agencies? We were. Were they more broad market? So,
0: oh, man, you, you're really getting to the right points. It's it's interesting. Um, in in one instance, the answer is no. We hired just like a just a high powered marketing agency. They did like all fancy billboards and stuff like that, which was crazy because we paid them to do fancy billboards. And it was like, you couldn't even read. It was like, you know, too fancy where you can't even read the words when you're driving down the street.
1: He's got an issue with billboards. We were, we, we were just, just on the way up. <laughs> on the way up. That was, <laughs>
0: dude, this, this, is what ad,
1: this is what ad nerds talk about in the car. Right. Look at that headline. That's oh, crazy. We
0: do billboard takedowns <laughs> all the time. Oh, it's so much fun. Um, But anyway, so it was like, it was like stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go create something that people can read, sent it to the agency and said, push this out to yep. all the billboards and, you know. Yep. You have like that, that awkward conversation. So they were not an event specific company. Then we hired people that were specifically in our niche. That was an event marketing company um, that we had um, do some marketing for us. And, you know, it was, it was the same lackluster result, mm. unfortunately.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it probably, you know, I would think you just, you're so passionate and it's such the beginning of, of everything. It's so important, so much emphasis on it. They're probably not, You know, exuding that same passion. You may or may not be just another account in their roster and and where you is, like, you're your only account and we got to nail it.
0: Yeah. Here's the the other thing. I mean, when when you're creating a brand, um, even like in its infancy, I really believe um, the most important thing you can do is attach um, a human element to it. There's a person or a group of people behind every single brand that's out there, right? There's an origin story. Like you heard mine for every brand that's out there. And if you can get people to connect with that, then they'll be a customer of yours for life.
1: Absolutely. Well said. Doesn't you know, we love the origin stories, which kind of takes us up to this next part and um, the meat of, of what we do here and what we try to dig into, which is the creative house. Yep. So, and not the creative house to do any specific event, more of a creative, how about you as an entrepreneur, um, speaking to an audience or, or, or even Jed and I, we're, 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 kind of entrepreneurs right now in the podcast field. Um, what are some best practices, maybe the three or four things that if a person turns off this podcast tonight or this morning, whatever, whatever, um, point in time they're listening to this, they know the first two or three thing or three or four things, um, that they're going to do. And that can be go, follow this person on Instagram, go buy all Pat Flynn's books. Shout out Pat Flynn. Uh, You know, just example type things, just methodologies and habitual things that you do that you would recommend they start doing.
0: The, The first place to start is to have a very clear vision of what you want the outcome to look like. However far in advance that is. What do I want this thing to look like in six months from now? What do I want this thing to look like 12 months from now. What we did is we said, what do we want the first event to look like? Right. Like how many people do we want there? What uh, activations do we want at the event? Um, And as an implementer, right. As someone that has implemented other things, I was able to go back and create the milestones that were necessary to get to what that end goal to get to what that vision was. And if you start at the end and work backwards, instead of kind of like starting your engine and just driving and not knowing where you're going, um, knowing what, where you're driving to knowing, knowing the um, you know, the map from point A to point B is what's going to enable you to deliver and, deliver for yourself on on whatever that end goal is.
1: And then are those end goals personal? Are they financial? Are they, I don't know, like what's the vision for the products?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's different for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's funny. I mean, when, when we said we were going to do the first ever BrickFest Live, the goal was not let's supplement our income and become an event production company, right? The goal was let's attract as many, Lego fans as we can into one space and show them the best time ever. Oh, that's cool. Um, what turned out is that that was also lucrative enough for, for me to pivot in my career and say, I'm going to take, this is the chance, mm-hmm. right? This is the opportunity. Like, let's go. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah. and, 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 and I don't just kind of maybe point B sub B of this one, we're getting tactical. Do you have like a notebook? That you're like, how are you, where are you defining these goals? And, I, and I'm, I'm sorry to be so literal, but like, th- these are helpful things that like, I think if I was an audience member, I'm like, yep. okay, uh, am I filing it away in my head? Am I putting in my iPhone notebook? What am I doing?
0: Yeah. Um, so there's lots of tools out there, but I, if you're looking on my desk right now, what's one thing that you notice?
1: Uh, a very heavy paperweight. Oh yeah.
0: There's definitely a paperweight. Have
1: you tried to lift that thing lately? That
2: what award that's, is it's intense.
0: What is that's it? Copper. It's heavy as... That, did you lift it? What, you I tried had to them? lift it? Yeah, we had to set up. <laughs> Sean, Sean actually tried to steal it. So that's actually copper. But the other thing you see are? Post-its. Uh, yeah, post-its. Post-its. So, uh, so we use something at our company um, called Scrum. So I'm not sure if you guys use that in your agency. Um, where we have a list of backlog items. So these are like all your ideas, all your crazy ideas. Um, and we write all of our ideas down. And then we assign weight to all of the, the ideas, right? So we have a version that we use where, internally, where you know, small, we use like t-shirt sizes. Small, medium, large, extra large, okay? And then each of our t-shirt sizes is assigned like a point value. And we know, based on prior performance, how many points we're gonna be able to deliver in like a two week period of time. And every one of our staff members grabs a, you know, gets assigned some of these projects from the backlog and they get put into what we call a sprint. And then for the next two weeks, people work on that sprint. And then we calculate how many points we were able to, to deliver on that sprint. So at our scale, that's how we're able to operate right now. Yeah. But when it was just like Chad rocking out in his home office, mm-hmm. it was um, literally like building a calendar on my wall out of sticky notes and then writing what those specific milestones were on certain dates and, and just kind of abiding, just be very disciplined about abiding to that calendar.
1: That That's great because I think you're not the first person we've talked to who has, who has subscribed to the beauty of a post-it note workflow, by the way, mental note to go shopping, post it for some, some ad <laughs> but uh, what, what I think is, is, is they're not, they're less permanent. So you can kind of flip them around. Hey, you move, move them, them around, around forward, move them forward, trash them, add more. Yep. Um, which which is really great, and it's a really great visual because again, there's something to this because you're not the first person to have been like, I swear by this, and this is how it's done. So, um, really good point, and I, and I do notice all the post notes on your desk. I think. <laughs> you, otherwise, the, you have a pretty ni- a nice desk.
2: Yeah. I thought the exact same thing you just said, Sean. And just to note to Chad, to you, and to our audience. The the other person to say that was not a former engineer or a current event production company owner. It was a novelist. So it's like completely different careers and also clearly something that maybe creative people could, could uh, invest in roadmaps. I
1: thought, yeah, hopefully this is something we discover as we get into these investigations that like shit, more of these tools are going to start rising up and commonalities and just like creative minds gravitate to these certain things and if you start getting mastering some of those things, then, I mean, what, what avenues of creativity could you go down and what isn't close to you?
0: Yeah, the other really important thing here is um, is me- measuring, finding things to measure. Um, so there are different, like our marketing team, for instance, we set goals and measure against those goals on a daily basis. Like every day, how many new leads did we get? Right. And, um, and then on a weekly basis, um, I'll show you our calendar. Like that's, that's in the other room where we post our results on a wall and then we can see trends over time. So very visual, like you can't ignore it, like you're immersed in it. Um, so you have the space to do something like that. Great. If not, there are tools out there that mimic what a post-it note will do for you. There are tools like Trello, there are tools like Asana out there, and we've tested and played with all of them. Um, we communicate over Slack like all day long. The whole company is on Slack. And um, and a new tool that we just came up with, or that, that we just um, started piloting, is called Process Street, um, which is really great, especially um, when you start to scale, because you should always be documenting the things you do. Because if you don't, as an entrepreneur, if you're not documenting the things you do, it means you're always going to be stuck doing them. And your job as an entrepreneur is to work yourself out of a job. Right? You need uh, to find someone else that is going to be able to do the thing that you're doing right now. Even if you think it's your superpower, even if you think you're the only one on the planet that can do it, you need to document exactly how it's done so you can hand it off to someone else so you can think about,
1: Big Strategizing,
0: picture. big picture. Yep. What are the next three, five, seven, ten years look? What like? does
1: Pat say? Be your own CEO, or uh, yeah, yeah he, his strategies. Yeah, so you need to be your own CEO, and and do those processes. And build
0: yeah, you know it's funny? I asked Pat. I said, um, you know, we were talking about like how, like how big our, um, like our staff is, and I said, um, he, I said, how many people do you have on your staff? And I forget. He's like, oh, like six or seven people. I said full time, and he said on time. <laughs> Which I thought was really telling. Yeah. So, so for a business like ours, we need a full time staff. But for other businesses out there, when we talk about things like Tim's four hour work week, well, that's just finding people that can deliver a certain set of um, jobs for you in the time frame that you need. And it's like Pat like subscribes to that, where you know, here's here's the thing that I need done, whether it's like batching uploads to iTunes or what have you, or coming up with new images that are going social. I just need these 10 things delivered on time. And now I don't have to carry a full-time
1: employee. All right. So that's a really good first initial process once you've established the vision and the milestone. So then taking it back to solo Chad, rocking it out in his home office, what's the next thing you do?
0: Well, for us, it was, you know, making sure that we were established and recognizable on uh, as many different like blogs in our space that there were. So there were like two or three big bloggers that like blogged about Lego stuff, um, uh, and, uh, and other YouTubers. And we like proactively reached out to let them know that this event was coming. And, you know, I actually like, um, wrote articles to be posted on their sites. So like was just proactively generating content in written form that that they could use. And
1: did you legitimately have the the events space booked? Event space is booked at this. Okay, point. so that was you weren't like just ch- testing the viability of the idea or interest. You were you were all in. You're like we're we're having something here. Whether it's
0: yeah, you know. <laughs> at, at this point like like it was happening. Yeah, which which was actually easier because it wasn't like hey this might happen. It was like it was like this is happening. Um, made a bunch of friends, stayed in touch with. All of them throughout the entire process invited them to the event, gave them, you know, their their own platforms at the show, um, and and that was really fun. I think that helped, like all that credibility, whatever space that you're in, to make friends with others that are in your space instead of seeing everyone else as a competitor, if you would, is definitely the right approach. And I could say that now, um, but the truth is, I had those feelings that there were other events that were out there that were competitors. Mm -hmm. And I know that they looked at us when we announced our show as a competing show. And there were some tough days where, you know, folks aren't necessarily being as friendly um, as you'd like them to be because because they think that you're trying to like eat up some market share, even though you're just trying to execute um, execute on what your dream and, and what your vision is. So you really can't let that let that kind of a thing stop you, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, so that, that is really helpful. I guess only the solopreneur, just the authentication and, and just knowing your brand. And you guys had that head start cause you, you kind of backed into it with the channel, which yep. is really awesome. Um, so that's, that's two, is there anything really tactical again, that, that you could kind of tell someone home again, that home office, like again, they've just woken up and said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur is there a mindset like is it is like psyching yourself up do you do you know headspace um i you know it's
0: it's a slippery slope game man this is this
1: is this is a courageous thing that you do
0: it's um it's a slippery slope for sure yeah because i don't think it's cut out for everyone and sometimes you're like it depends on what your vision is, right? Is your vision to create a seven, eight, nine figure business with your idea, or is your vision to supplement your, you know, 40 to $80,000 income? So how does someone
1: maybe back just unpack that a little bit? How do you first figure out your cutout for it? What what do you Uh, mean? I know it's different for everybody, but like what, what, what was your,
0: what was your, uh, so I think there, there are two things. One, um, I just knew that like whatever gene that you're born with that I talk about like fight or uh, flight or fight. Yeah. I talk about flight or fight sometimes. Fight or fight. Yeah. (laughs) Fight or flight. (laughs) Flight or or fight. Um, Anyway, there's a gene um, that I think some entrepreneurs don't have, which is the holy crap, this is scary. I should run the other way. And if you're the type of person that looks at it and you're like, that's scary for most people, but I don't care. I'm going in. Then you're either going to like fall off the cliff, right? You're either going to like hit it out of the park. You're going to die trying, right? So that I think is like the true bread entrepreneur. Then I think you have the people that aren't necessarily as confident in their own business skills. They have an idea and they, you know, they think it will be something, but they don't necessarily know what the next two three steps are and for those people you got to find someone that that has the chops you gotta you gotta bring someone else in i brought someone else in right that i knew could support our vision and you got to bring someone else in and you have to trust them um with everything and and then together um the right types of partnerships um are the best types of businesses um, that can exist
2: there's something really interesting that I just want to add, because I feel like well, I'm, I'm not necessarily an entrepreneur, but what I'm observing with you is a willingness to do a lot of different things and a lot of different steps. And I'm not just saying work ethic. The the point you just described before about you said um, you have to get established in blogs in this, in a space and get to know the YouTubers. That's one thing. You have to actually make friends with people instead of seeing them as competitors. That's another thing. Then you even said you generated written content for those blogs and YouTubers who in theory are bloggers and YouTubers who make content, but you did it for them because you knew that that would take one step away from what they actually had to do to help your business.
0: Yeah. And you're adding, um, you're, you're giving them something new and fresh that their audience can, can now read or, or view. That they didn't have before, and write. So now that's one less article that I have to write this week because I have a guest writer. Um, more often than not, I mean, if you've got the chops, like if you're comfortable with writing, then they're gonna love that. Like, like why wouldn't any notable site want more writers to be participating? Right. Yep. So it's a common thing. It's just doing the research and finding out who is the person I have to contact at this, you know, blog, you know, for um, dog vests, you know, whatever it is that you're into, Right.
1: And you just touched on it. Um, what would you say the time dedicated at the outset to research is? Um, that's a big deal. A time, like as a percentage,
0: um, I don't, it varies. So in the beginning, you're doing a lot of research. Yeah. In the beginning, like kind of like, that's all you're doing. You're going heavy into the weeds, who are the other players in your space getting to know their brands, researching how they market? We talked a little, little bit about marketing, um, what is their messaging all about? Um, and then like you want to become a student of the product or the service. What was the origin of the product? Like for me, it was like, what is the origin of Lego conventions, right and and really get smart about all of it. And even if it doesn't necessarily, lead to anything right away. When you're talking with someone else in the space and they ask you about a person, well, all of that studying up that you did, you're able to recall that and have an intelligent conversation. And immediately it makes you, um, you know, it kind of elevates your status in that community. And really that's all you're trying to do. Whatever the niche that you're in, you're trying to establish yourself as a leader in that niche. And the only way you can become a leader in that niche is by knowing all of the people. And in my opinion, learning the history.
1: Yep. I mean, I think that's so important. I mean, especially in this day, age. and you're banking it for future use. Yeah. You know, like right. you said, like, you know, those conversations, you never know when you're going to, you know, drop a comment or something, but, but that it's going to put that person to ease and know, like, okay. Oh, he this, knows this person.
0: Yeah. They, they know. Yeah. Right. They, and they so, know so the that, story. Is
1: that unspoken handshake of, all right, it's on kind of,
0: right. You're in the club. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess he's in the club. He's in the club.
1: Yep. Well, that's great. And then, you know, as we skip through, you know, to these creative house are going to be super helpful for entrepreneurs setting out. Um, is there any just like rules of thumb that like you said you have, you know, you've lived by several mantras or whatever. Is there, is there a Chad Collins mantra that's, that's on the kitchen wall
0: or. (laughs) So I, there are a couple of weird rules of thumb that I have. Um, So this, and this is a copywriting thing. So Jed, maybe you'll be, you'll be into this. So I, when writing, if it's an email or a copy, I try to stay away from negative words. So, so even in an email to you, right, Sean, like, like I would say, like in a conversation, I can't wait to see you. Right. But in an email, I would write, I'm looking forward to seeing you because I don't like the word can't. I don't like to write the word can't. I don't like negative words like in writing. Wow. So like, that's just like a weird Chad rule of thumb thing. Um, But like the word, no, the, you know, don't like, I always change it and find the positive, the strong positive word that, that can still have the same meaning as the
2: strong negative word.
1: That's a, that's I a really, into that yeah, anybody that, who's
2: into the written word to that detail is like, you're a real Renaissance man. Chad. are it's I'm Totally nerding out over that's words. Great,
1: I like, <laughs> yeah. I like words.
2: <laughs> I always say that everything is writing because <laughs> the idea in your head is coming to you in some kind of stream of consciousness. Um, although I guess it can be pictures too, but you know.
1: Yeah, no, right. I mean, I, I think that's a really good rule of thumb and one that, Hell I know I'm taking out of here and adopting as we start to communicate to larger audiences and try to, you know, contact new guests and, and as we up the ante on, on the tier of guests. Yeah. I think I think that's definitely a takeaway really for, cool. for Creative How here.
0: And I think it and I think it works actually. Yeah. Like I, I just Oh don't, it's gotta I, I don't think like that it um like it has it it's not bad, right? It's not gonna set you back. Right. It could only like keep you even or do better. Right. Right. That, in my opinion. Well, I think yeah.
1: it helps communicate energy level and enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people pick on like that guy literally didn't use an apostrophe or a contraction in any of his Oh, grammar
0: <laughs> doesn't even mean anything anymore. That was, yeah, you know, that was actually another, this is, this is, we were getting really into the weeds, but this is cool. Um, if you can start communicating with someone over text, you immediately have a personal relationship. Yeah. All right. Think about that. If you can, if you get an intro with someone and it's over email, and you can get them to either Facebook Messenger or Insta Messenger or text then your relationship is now more than just professional just by the nature of how you're communicating and even like before this entrepreneurial thing when i was communicating with like city attorneys and then we were negotiating over text i was like we we're, we're negotiating as friends we're both on the same hmm. side.
1: I think you know that's true because like I think it takes if I, if I'm texting someone for the first time I, there's a little like trepidation and you're like all right here goes. Yeah. It, I and I'm just recently, you know, when we're reaching out to some people and then you know some of our guests you're know, upcoming, you know, you are. But then when it's done and you get that little like three blinking dot yeah, you're they like, know, "Oh, they're responding." <laughs> right. You send so them then, an emoji and, and then, then you're, you're good. And then you feel good. And yeah, it's, then all right, it's, it's on. like
2: chosen one-to-one communication yeah. as opposed to right. they could ignore you on social. I mean, you can you can communicate one-to-one, but they don't have to respond. But when you get their number, it's it's a cool point. Yeah.
0: Um yeah, that's good. like reaching out like reaching out to people on um on Twitter and on Instagram like to to get someone to like get that interview or to get that influencer in your niche. Like that stuff works. It just works. I can't tell you how many meetings that we've been able to get just by a DM, you know, and, and, you know, it's like a, it's a cold DM, but someone will respond and, and it's going to set you up for success. Yeah. It's an interesting
1: thing. I might've been drinking a little scotch on Saturday night and I DM'd a Hollywood director to see if he wanted to be on creative house. We'll see how that goes. I was channeling Tim Ferriss. <laughs>
0: she says I should just
1: go for it go for it and drinking's yeah, okay
0: here's yeah, the yeah. thing the here's the other mantras right so so I'll give well, you like, that's
1: the next segment so like, like it's a good segue okay we need two to three rapid fire advice Thanks. things things um, ah, <laughs> uh oh crap okay wait. wait now I forgot a frog must jump I already <laughs> got that, one. that yeah we am- can repurpose. it's okay to pull from uh, frog must jump be a creative all right so so here's two
0: here's two good ones I think um so the first is like let's get back to no. Like, people are scared of no. Or would you agree? Like, people are scared of, like, rejection. People are scared of no. Yeah. Um, but one thing that we, that, that I live by and that I try and, and instill into everyone that we bring into our world is something my grandfather once told me, which is every no, you get closer to a yes. All right? Okay. And no is the same as nothing happening. So if you ask, the worst that happens is it's the same and that's just like a no right but they might say yes or they they might give you like that that crack crack the window open a little bit and now you have your chance so no is like a good thing like to be told no is a good thing because it means that you asked and you need to keep asking you need to just go 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 right yeah get that uh, courage yeah i mean look seriously it's like nobody should be scared of being told no you need to embrace embrace the no, yep. okay. Put that in like a little quote with like my face.
1: Embrace the no, <laughs> dude. I told you we, we had, had a lot, lot of those now. A, yeah, there's like, like there's gonna be pictures. two fighting for it right now.
2: <laughs> well, there's another one that uh, there's ample. Yeah, there's a lot. That's a good
1: one. Okay. Um,
0: the other one is, and this is this comes from my dad, who said um, he he always told me the mind is the most powerful thing, like the most powerful thing that any of us have. Is what's between our ears, right? Your mindset. And that's where like the vision stuff comes from that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. If you can envision it in your mind, then you can make it happen with your mind. So that's the that's the limit. Right? It's what you like what you're if you're feeling like you're held back, you're only being held back because you told yourself that you're being held back. And if you open it up where um, there is no limit to what can be accomplished, then that sets you up to go really big.
1: I love it because then that's, you know, to quote another one, uh, another podcast, extreme ownership of your own self and your own destiny. You know what I mean? It's just different pathways, but I think that's a really good way. And that place uh, the common theme of everything we've, we've been talking about and your mindset, which I think is really great because, you know, in order to have that positivity and that focus, you are, you are psyching yourself up and, and you have just this drive. And I think that's, what's really your brand at this point in time, just, you know, finding ways and keep evolving and scaling.
0: There, there's one more thing. I'll give you a bonus one, Sean. Oh, you're going to like this. Okay.
2: <laughs> Sean so. loves
0: free stuff, right? Here. <laughs> Swag. Wait, this, he's going to, he's going to get it. So the other thing that we talk about that I talk about with my wife a lot is this one sentence and it is the in between is mine.
1: Yeah. Um, one of my all time favorite Pearl Jam songs, I am mine. I am mine. So, so Eddie Vedder,
0: the in between is mine. Yeah. And so, so if we dig deeper on what is the in between, right? So he says, I know that I've, I was born. in or that I'll die. The in between is mine. Right well, how much
1: time is the in-between? Like, really, how much time is the in-between? It's not a lot. I mean, I think we all struggle with that existential question every yeah. day. You know? so like, it's when like, you kind of step
0: back and you're like. So if you wake up every day. Yeah. um, And whatever, you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. Well, when is the end? Like, no one knows when the end is. Now we're getting morbid. It's crazy. But um, but I. Bring it back to positive. What, what I think about is like, in my, I, like, we have a family history of like, my last name is Collins. So, Collins males have like an expiration date, mm. and right, which is like way less than what the average is. And that's what I think about every day. Mm. I think about my mort- mortality in relation to the rest of the population is probably less than. And right, it's not because I'm unhealthy and, or anything like that. It's just like genetic stuff. And that's what that is like the, the overarching thing that, that drives me to, to continue. And so if the, if the in-between is yours, it's like, what are you doing with yours?
1: Yeah. No, that's a, uh, you know, question. I think a lot of us ask on a daily basis, when's the right time to do any of this stuff? Maybe you have a big vision like you had, or, or some, uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners here do. And as I do, and I know Jed does, like you got to start asking those hard questions. It's not, it's not, it's not forever. That's for sure.
2: There's an interesting thing that I read once it's the code of the samurai and the samurai lived life. Like they knew they could die tomorrow and that's how they communicated with people. They didn't hold back things. They didn't sort of like um, hold in things that they thought were important to say or do. They knew they could die tomorrow, which was because they fought all the time, but also for us, you know, we know anybody. So there's a lot of fun things
1: to do in this world you know, and that's part of what this podcast is about, about, and you know, exploring and talking to people like yourself, because it's just so many things you can do. And if you're kind of into that nine to five grind and you're doing that commute and you're listening to this and you're know, like the next half hour, you're going to be in your cubicle and dreading that. Well then maybe listen to more of these number one, uh, but listen to stories like yourself and research chat and, and get more of the, the origin story that maybe we didn't touch on because that stuff's damn inspiring.
2: I also think it's one cool thing is that it doesn't, you didn't start talking to us by complaining about your, your job that you had. It seems like you actually might've liked that, but then you found this other thing that was even better.
0: That is right on the money. Um, Yeah. We, I talked about like being intentional about working for others. Um, I loved my job. I loved my job at Lockheed. I loved when I went to a company called Paylock out of New Jersey. I loved going in every day. Um, And, And helping them with their vision, which I internalize then as my vision. Like, you know, when you go to work for a startup, a lot of people listening that work for small companies, you're supporting the vision of the founder. Like, that's what you're doing. And if you're not bought in 100% to what their vision is, then there's going to be, there's going to be friction. But I was able to be 100% aligned. And I wanted to deliver the best I could to get them to their goal, which, which was also my goal. So like the people that we bring in to our company, we want them, like they need to know like they're here because they have the same vision that we do. Like together we're, we're building, we're building this thing. So yeah, it it was, you know, very, very rarely did I ever feel like um, I was, I was going in and just like, you know, clocking in and, being present there physically and then clocking out. Um, the truth is, right before I made that final leap, was there? Wow, I'm way more excited about this event. I'm way more excited about what we're doing on YouTube. Like I started to feel that momentum, and really the the shift was, you know, mentally, I'm putting all these hours in um, to this other thing but I'm now finding myself more passionate and more energetic and more awake about the thing that I'm doing for myself. What if I shifted all of, now I create all of that extra time and give it to the thing that I'm working on for myself, what could happen? And and it became kind of easy, like monetarily once we, we were able to do it and then and then just the mechanics of, you know, figuring out the right type of exit, you know, in a responsible way from the company I was working for. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was some of that at the end, but I think that's just natural yeah. because you see, you see the momentum. Like you see yeah. that okay, I'm able to supplement supplement my 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 paycheck. Well, if for most people, the only thing that's keeping them in their job is that paycheck. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you're able, I mean, that's the one big thing I think everyone's thinking about. How do I, how do I get that extra few thousand bucks a month that, yep. <laughs> that I'm making at this job, right? Yep. But but once once that starts to happen. Then it really like that weight just like kind of that's the big holdback. Yeah, you know,
1: because yeah, that momentum and that passion, that pull to the thing for yourself versus the thing for someone else, is definitely there. I know in every guest we've talked to, there is that moment in time where they're going they leave this other thing behind and throw themselves into it, pretty pretty cold, falling off that cliff we talk about. Yep, on doing it's really cool to to know that like from a novelist to a painter. To an entrepreneur, like there's all that moment where it's just like, here Guess we go, it. this yeah. is go, yeah. really cool. awesome. So
2: I think with that, Chad, we want to give you a chance to tell every single person out there how to find you, um, how to find your company, and and uh, just give us your, uh, as they say in the old days, your digits. My so digits it's not just anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, ChadCollins.me is the place where you can go and kind of see all the fun stuff that I'm working on which like I'll even plug, like I'm working on a book right now with my son, um, doing some more speaking stuff. So like, that's been fun. So me, Chad, like that's where you want to go. And then Instagram is the same. ChadCollins.me on Instagram. And Sean will tell you about all the fun stories that I like to post there. And you could be like my 500th like person on Instagram. Maybe. Nice. Is
1: there a t-shirt <laughs> in it? Right. I should for do a that, t-shirt contest uh, for word. 500.
0: Um, but then on, uh, like if you want to see what our production company is up to, check out openworldevents.com, and you can see all the productions that we have and the sizzle reels. And if you want to get you know involved, like there's way for, there's ways for you to get involved also. Um, and we're going to be announcing a brand new show here really soon that we're going to launch in the fall of 2019. Um, so that should be a lot of fun.
1: This is exciting stuff. I'm I'm anxious to keep following, man. I mean, again. Personal relationships aside, known you a long time, always admired you um, with this new phase that, you're, that you guys are undertaking. And and I actually, the, the sleeper here is Chad's son, who I'm also a big fan of. He, uh, I feel like he's going to be one of those kids that's like grown up in this social world and, and just spending a little bit of time plugging the Super Bowl. We were all hanging out at the Super Bowl because yep. like, we're big, powerful people that like go to the Super Bowls. Uh, <laughs> he was amazing. He was, he, that kid is a character. So I'm super excited. Oh, thanks, him. man. But, uh, and you have a great family and a great business. And and dude, totally, thanks for taking time. This, this is time. great.
0: Honored to be a part of this. Awesome.
2: Honored, Honored and this excited. fun. Incredible. Yep. So figuring out how to make a living and actually create a brand based on something that you had a passion for as a kid, I think is something we can all be inspired by and aspire to. And I also think that Chad's innate understanding of the importance of a brand was really, really cool. So learned a lot from him and uh, had a lot of fun talking to him.
1: The energy level is just, it's something you take away and and it's easy to get caught up when you're talking to him. Things like, Just approaching how you write an email was really great and how not to use a negative word. Those things make a difference and that's how he's built his brand. So we hope you think so. We hope you uh, feel inspired after this episode. As always, check out the show notes, creativehowpodcast.com and on social creativehowpod. Hey, Jed. Did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on, you know, YouTube that's probably a White Noise Lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.